Hey y'all, this is Chaz, your host here. We took our episode from Madison's Kitchen over to the Urban Hang Suite owned by Kelly Lemon. If you don't know Kelly Lemon, you're literally living under a rock somewhere in Richmond. The Urban Hang Suite is a new black owned dope coffee shop and hang suite located at 304 East Broad Street, Richmond, Virginia. Let's get back to it. It sounds like we're in a coffee shop. Here we are. I know. I didn't realize, <laughs> I didn't realize that I'd hear like, you know, mugs clicking in the background and I could hear stirring and things like that. So anyways, um, yes, yeah, so this is Black Matter Podcast. Um, I started this as a way to kind of get out of um, the academy while I'm writing my dissertation because it's hell isolating. And so this is really just a part of, actually part of like my dissertation methodology, but really it's kind of a love letter to be like all things pushed to the margins. And I really want to have like cute kikis with various um, POC black folks um, in Richmond and beyond. Um, just about things that are going on and like what they're doing and none other um, to start the show with would be Madison Moore who is my sister kind of like the house mother of the show <laughs> um, my plan is that I will do episodes I've done a bunch of episodes I just don't have an editor yet so they're kind of all in the archive <laughs> and you'll kind of come on and just get some tea and weigh in and say oh I was listening to episode 3 with Amber and I have something to say about that so yeah you know the house mother um, <laughs> of the show so basically I just want to like the first like 15 minutes we'll just kind of have a kiki about who you are because I feel like everyone in the audience knows me and is probably sick of hearing about me so we will center you for a little bit and then I'll come back to me um, <laughs> but you know give us some tea about who you are um, what you do and I'll ask you some questions um, I moved here in August from London where I was for almost five years um, I got a job teaching in the gender studies department here um, so yeah, I don't know. It's kind of complicated because I do so many different things and it's hard to just like say what it is. Yeah, so one of the things I wanted you to kind of tell us about is to give some kind of like tea on you and like what you were doing before you came to Richmond mm -hmm. and that into Heart Femme. So Madison runs this new party that's called Heart Femme and we're gonna talk a little bit about that and what that means um, and what our plans are for Richmond or what your plans are for Richmond um, as it pertains to Heart Femme and then let's go from there. Um, so Hard Femme is like a, so I do a party in London called Opulence, it's a queer techno party um, that centers black and brown people, marginalized people, use the mic? No, um, And so I wanted to create that here um, because um, I am all about world making and creating space. Um, and one of the first things I learned when I got here is so many um, students are talking about the lack of queer space, um, the shutting down of queer spaces, um, the like, the way that the queer spaces that are here are not listening to the community in terms of anti-blackness and transmisogyny and whatnot. So I was really inspired by how folks are creating their own space and creating, you know, parties and whatnot. And so, um, Hard Femme takes place, which has only been two of them, um, but they've been at um, Fallout, which is in Shuffle Bottom. And yeah, it's a techno party that um, centers, well, the, the three of us who do it are like black, trans, POC, um, who black, Who are the trans. three? Because the, the community um, they know the three. Austin, Hig Austin Higgs slash Aura von Otterhausen. Shout out to Austin. And um, Angel, Archangel, Angel Flowers. How did you meet those two? 
Angel was in my, I took a um, queer nightlife class last semester at VCU, mm -hmm. and Angel was in my class, and I was really um, inspired by their community work with Ice Cream Social and their own like DJ sound and what they do. Um, so I invited them to be part of like Hard Femme. And then Austin I met when I came for my job talk. Um, <laughs> so that's how that happened. That's what I love about like professors and, you know, artsy folks that are here that are... And the thing about Richard is like we don't really follow those kind of like normative rules. So the fact that you're, you know, Dr. Madison Moore and you're here to teach, but you can be like, you know what, you seem cool, like let's start a party in Richmond because there's, there's a gap that we can fill together. And I think that there's no point of being in the academy if we're not going to use that kind of position. Right. For me, it's like it's really about theory and practice. So it's like you can't really write about nightlife or queer nightlife and like not actually do it also. And so, I mean, there's one thing to like, you know, write about something and be in the classroom. But I like to get students out into the field. Like we did a class at Fallout the other day, like a, I did a, like a DJ workshop. And so I taught them like the very basics of like beat matching and like what all the knobs are on a control like on a dj setup and like i think two or three djs were born that night <laughs> so and i like that you know so that they can like pair up what we're learning in class with like the the actual creative stuff you know and excuse me for the folks that do know the term but like for the folks that are because i want this to be a podcast that really centers black folks and i want to make the i don't want to make the assumption that everybody knows what hard fan means um we are hard femme, <laughs> but I don't know if, well, I mean, I identify as that, I don't know if you do, but what does that term mean? And like, why did you call Richmond Party hard femme? Actually, I didn't actually, I didn't know it was a thing. So I just, um, we started with it just being called hard to represent like the music style, which is like um, not soft, I guess. Um, and then I didn't like how it sounded and I don't know. And then I was playing around with it and then I just came up with hard femme. And then I was like, oh my God, I love it. And then I Googled it and realized that actually it is already a thing. So it's like, a, yeah, a hard femme identity, especially in like women and like lesbian communities. So I was like, that's perfect. Yeah, I mean, it makes me think about kind of how, like I remember a few days, so we call ourselves sisters. And I remember a few days ago, like someone asked me like, why do you guys call each other sister? And I was like, I don't know, we, we just do. <laughs> you know, femininity doesn't only belong to the, to the cis woman's body. And so we identify as kind of like men, but store, of course we call each other cis, like it's just a thing. And so I, I, I find it interesting that in your art practice, you use terms like hard femme, but there are other broader meanings to it, but that doesn't mean that you have to, you know, fit under those meanings as well. So. I, for me, like queerness is about like not identifying um, and not participating in like these, like binaries or systems of power or whatever. So I prefer to just like be a body who's wearing lipstick today and maybe something else tomorrow and change it up, you know, and not being like set in a thing every day. So yeah. That's how I felt when I, once I found hair extensions, I was like, okay, mm -hmm. today? let's talk about that. <laughs> let's talk about that. There's this thing that happens when you're 30 that, you know, your hair starts to fade out. And I was like, but I am not ready. I'm not ready. And I feel like if I follow kind of like these gender norms, then I would not be able to explore different parts of my appearance. And so like, yeah, I, when I think of hard femme, I really just think about like, you know, it, it's a term that allows me to kind of explore my, my femininity. And like, that for me is just like, is all that, you know, I don't see a difference between like blackness and queerness. And so I think like, you know, being black and being queer means, means like reimagining, recreating and like changing up spaces. And so that's when I think it's really Okay, good. so the first time that I got my first weave yes. was like, I think it was like 2009 or I need you to talk a little louder. Cause I feel like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a low talker, sorry. And I'm um, an over talker. So we need to find a balance. <laughs> like 2010 um and i was seeing someone at the time and i was very nervous i just decided i was like i just went to harlem 
and I just got a weave like like that. I didn't like make any plans or whatever. And I was really nervous to go home because I thought oh, he's gonna be mad or something like this. And I don't want to be in that situation ever again where I'm like nervous to like express something that I want to do. Do you know what I mean? Or mm -hmm. like that feels natural to me. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was fine in the end, but. Uh, he said he was like oh madison i love you in all your forms but i i like you as a boy and i was like what does that mean i don't even know what that what does that even mean to say that you know so yeah um i'm glad that you started wearing like extensions and maybe you can talk about like okay well, how you I, I can say that i don't want to need you to no but i don't <laughs> No, but like, it's yeah. interesting. Well, I mean, I know you're, you're writing about like hair. And yeah, you're yeah. On hair. I don't know if they know that this is extensions. <laughs> 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 because they're not allowed to touch it either way, right? So, <laughs> I'm not sure, but it's funny because when I was going on, um, I feel like I was talking to you, I was going on vacation, and I was like, I need to get my hair redone, but like, I don't have any money. And you were like, just ask him. And I was like, I can't ask him to pay for something that he's not allowed to touch. She'd be like, where am I getting a return on my investment on? <laughs> But yeah, for me, I don't know how it happened. So I, I don't want to be like super cliche, but when I did Don't Touch My Hair, the documentary, I'm sure some people have I've seen it in the audience. I knew that like it was going to do exactly what it did, but I was like, I don't want this documentary to be, you know, after I produce it, I'm gonna be like, oh, now I'm gonna like change my hair. But like from doing that and from being in a bunch of black spaces where I feel like I really saw kind of like a plethora of diversity, but from a place of blackness. so. The, the ways that each hair salon or barbershop that we filmed, that was very, very different, right? And the types of hairstyles that they were centering and the, and the women that we interviewed, the way that they were talking about their hair versus the experience that I had. After I did all that and had all that footage, I felt like, wow, like I have not explored um, my like versatility through like the thing that, you know, is so black, which is our hair and our hair expression and like hair expression as an art form and a way to show that like black people and people of color are diverse, right? Like our hair is such an apparatus um, for doing that. And so for me, it wasn't about getting extensions. It was about just like, I want to play around with my appearance. And I felt yeah. like as a kid growing up in a single mom household, my mom was very homophobic. She was very, she's also Jamaican. So she was very, you know, the immigrants have played a role too of like trying to fit me into a box of like, this is how you be a respectable boy. And this is how you be a respectable immigrant boy. Like we need to, you need to have a shape every, every week. If you go on a job mm -hmm. interview, I knew I need to get a shape up before the job interview. So for me, I was like, I really like want to detangle myself from that. And I feel like this has just been a way to do that and notice that, you know, I'm achieving all that I'm achieving and I'm as smart as I am and I'm doing all the things that I'm doing with weave in my hair. <laughs> but like also, so you were talking about like getting a shape up. What I love about having my braids, so I had like, you know, like shaved all here and then like Senegalese twists always. I don't have the balls to do um, that yet. That's nice. And I would just go to this like place. I found I found a place in Dalston, which is a neighborhood in East London, and like it felt warm and like whatever. And so she would just do it real quick, and it was it was fine. But I liked that I could just do, um, shave my own sides without mm. having to go to the barber shop, mm. without having because this can be a charged space. Mm. So I liked having you know sit for like two hours every two months, and then I can just shave my hair every week, shave my sides every week on my own. You know what I mean? It like lessened the. Yes, I'm, I feel like that's that's my next move. But I mean, I send you every image. I take screenshots before I make any hair decisions, and I'm like, what do you think? What do you think? So, anyways, um, I do want to go back to Hard Femme a little bit, okay. and I want you to tell us about um, how it's been so far. Since you are kind of new to Richmond, but you were in Richmond before, but newly back to Richmond, um, and you've started this party. How has it been? What's missing? Where do you hope it's going to go? Um, take, take me, take me there. How'd the first party go? Um, well, 
I think we're all really excited about it, and I think we're it's it's an opportunity for all the three of us, myself, Austin, and Angel, to like express creative stuff. So Austin's very interested in like burlesque, and we'll probably start doing burlesque as part of the parties now, which is really cool to blur those lines between like a burlesque show, like a techno party, a rave, whatever. And I want it to be a space where people forget. So what's been what's been frustrating is like people leaving. I know that's like whatever. Well, just because like. I wouldn't. I want to create a space where people forget that they have stuff to do, or like that, just hang out and like meet people and like forget that sense of time and just be in the space and be a community and be together and dance a bit, have a drink, meet somebody new, dance more, have a drink, meet somebody new. Oh my God, it's been six hours. What happened? You know. I'm like, I have a dissertation to write, so no. I'm well, like, but that I also really utopian. But. I, I, and I am. I am an idealist. I admit that. And but I think I also have things. If you edit my chapter, I'll stay as long as you want. <laughs> uh, but who do you want to reach with Heart Femme and like how tell me about the so I, the other night we had a kiki and you were like there was this black couple that was there oh my god yes I want to reach them are you intentionally trying to get black folks to come out to this kind of like you know disruptive techno party or is it about everybody I know it's not like um, what is it about who do you want to reach I want to reach black people and like black queer people um, with this party um, like most musics um Techno is black music. Yes. All coming from legacies of funk and house and um, disco. And uh, I mean, I just the other day, I was like getting a bunch of new tracks and like Robert Armani, if you don't know him, is like amazing. And so just like getting all like, I don't know, getting all this space and kind of giving the music or bringing the music, bringing black folks back into like techno music, taking it back from like the industries or whatever that have capitalized on it. And but get the tea on why you feel a lot of black folks don't resonate with techno music especially because now I've seen like Afro Futures in 2.0 in Detroit and I've learned about techno being inherently black through you and through some of the, the black spaces in Detroit why is that still kind of like I feel it's like something that's like not known yet well it's been whitewashed mm-hmm. um, it's been whitewashed like most again musical forms that started in black communities that then have white folks at the, the as the image of it mm-hmm. so yeah techno music is associated with Europe now it's associated with like straight white men Instead of like the like someone like Honey Dijon, who's a um, like black trans woman, who's like a legacy of Frankie Knuckles, like that's what the music is about. You know, it's about Carl Craig and it's about Robert Armani. It's about Sean J. Wright. All these black queers and folks who are like creating space and imagining a future through sound, through technology. You know, like um, when techno was emerging, like in Detroit, like they were they're um, like they were thinking about science fiction and they were thinking about other spaces and other worlds. Um, Kojo Eshun writes about this in his book about like black futures in electronic music. So I just, that's the space that I want to create. Mm-hmm. In Richmond, pers- in, well, in general. Yeah. And yes, in Richmond. And what are the challenges and some of the kind of like beautiful potential outcomes that could happen by doing a black queer techno party in Richmond? Because I mean, you could be in Berlin, you're not, you're here, you're at BCU, you're in Richmond. Like, I feel like for me, if I'm like projecting my, my dreams for you <laughs> in Richmond, um, I feel like Richmond needs it, right? Like, there is not a plethora of, like, black queer centered nightlife in Richmond. So, like, speak a little bit about that. I just want to have a space, because so many spaces I've learned here um, trade in anti-blackness mm-hmm. um, and don't care when it's t- talked about or brought up and, like, like people raise the issue. And so um, I want to create a space where... First of all, we're celebrating like black art and talent. Mm. So DJs, producers, like folks who are like excited about this music and like wanna jump in. So this, 
but also just a communal space. Like when I saw this couple, I don't know who they are, but they were amazing. They like they get it. He's could, bound to find. I will see them. I will find them. Next time I know who they are. Give give us some descriptors. They just they you can I tell you they can tell that they get it. They understand. Like they they were really into the music, and it's like okay, I need to who I need to find. Like who are your like? What did they look like? What? what? Fab. They were fab. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, fat. Yeah. One had an afro. The woman, right? Yeah. Um, Go ahead. I don't know. They were foul. I mean, they they were foul. Like light, like light skin. Both of them were light skin. Dancing to techno music. They were at the hard fan party. I know. I feel like between me, you, Anjali, we could like do a hard hard scan. Like that is Michelle and Keith. I'm like all the black people in the room. If we just like come out together, like. They were at a techno party, just getting it. They right? were getting it. They were, it. they were getting it. And that's what you're trying to reach. And that's like that's the like the vibe. Between the three of us, we know who they are. And Amber, because Amber's a little more weird. So Amber, <laughs> Amber I know. <laughs> we know them. <laughs> One of us knows them. You know, but like strange. just moving. Yeah, <laughs> but a space that celebrates that strangeness and a space that like yes. celebrates that strangeness and centers blackness and is like, you know, off the bit off the kind of grid. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, I totally know what you mean because I mean that's kind of what I'm writing about when I when I think about this podcast being kind of like a love letter to uh, black men. It's also a love letter to just like black folks in general that are really pushing the the borders of what it means to be black. So when I think of blackness and queerness, for me, I see blackness and black queerness like existing simultaneously because so much of how I was raised and how you were raised, like we're conditioned to kind of like separate it. So go to the barbershop, more black, less queer. Then go to the gay bar, which is sometimes anti-black, more queer, less black. And I am at a point in my life where I want Mm -hmm. to blend the two because in my body, they're already blended, right? And so I want to be in spaces where, spaces and create platforms where I don't have to, you know, walk around with this yardstick that mm-hmm. typically, you know, makes a separation between me, black queer male, and then black straight male in the barbershop. So how do we create spaces and create worlds, actually, where, you know, we're bonding on our blackness as strange and as weird and as, you know, you know, Afrocentric or whatever mm-hmm. as, it, as it is. And I think what you're trying to do is, is super dope because I feel very hungry for spaces like that, especially being in the academy as I'm writing about these things, I want to see it in practice Mm -hmm. because so much of academia is just like theorizing. But if you are black and living as black and queer, you can't theorize. Like you need to, you need to be in the spaces in real time as well. So Mm -hmm. I feel like you moved here at like a perfect time for my work. Like this is good for my, for my business. (laughs) (laughs) So keep doing, you know, (laughs) citing. But the question people often ask is like, you know, keep talking. uh, I, do the parties, I DJ, I like um, teach at BCU. How do you do all these different things? And I'm like, to me, they're not different things. And we're black, like we all, that's just like it's our life. The hustle, yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, but they're, yeah, to me, they're not different things. So whether I'm like in a classroom setting or playing a party or doing a party, like it's still about sharing and creating a world and sharing a world vision. Mm-hmm. It's funny because I feel like you have such a great explanation of like how you connect aesthetically to techno music. And then I'm like, I'm from Glastonbury, Connecticut, and I like city girls. Like, what does that say about my blackness? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, right now I'm really feeling just like hood femme music. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, like, I mean, I grew up in like the suburbs where we were the Jamaican American mm-hmm. family. So my mother was very, you know, um, conditioned by respectability. And I think 
her being Jamaican really played into like the way that we like, you know, separate ourselves from hood black people. And then her being um, a black single mother, you know, made us separate ourselves from like, we didn't feel like we were included in like certain, you know, more respectable black families. So there was so much like policing of yeah. like the way that I was supposed to look and the way that I, that I was supposed to behave and the way that I was supposed to talk. So I, I've learned how to code switch, but now I feel as a, as like a scholar, I, I'm feeling very connected to folks like T.S. Madison and City Girls and just like people who are very pushing to the center, this like unapologetic blackness that growing up in like suburbs in Connecticut where I was one of the only ones felt like I could never really be. And then I meet people like you and we have a bond and it's just like, oh, like you don't have to be this kind of like standard, you know, one in a box definition of blackness in order to be successful. And so I love people that are really like pushing that border. And that's what I, you know, those are the conversations I want to continue to have. I think I've always been interested in like abstraction. So like, I, like, um, so, so, so like, I could probably tell you the lyrics to like maybe like a Beyonce song or like a Lizzo song. Probably. No, but I'm just saying like. <laughs> love Beyonce. It, it's about like music, right? And so what I'm trying to say is like with techno, I couldn't hum you a techno song. I couldn't. I couldn't tell you. I could. I can't tell you it right now. So that means you have to be in the space, and it's about being there, and it's about now and being in your body right then and now, right at that time. So and I think that's what I really love about the music that it's about the physicality and it's about nowness and being in the space and especially when you're marginalized what you have right now is now tomorrow is not necessarily yeah i feel like you know living in a white supremacist society we have to really ramp up on the joy in the practice and like achieving as much joy as possible i feel like so much of of white livelihood or white supremacy is around just like theorizing like you know we all know the white person's like i see the problem like it's just so racist and I, I just, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, okay girl, bye, like, I'm going to Mexico. My committee is like, you're going to Mexico for two weeks while you're writing your dissertation? And I'm like, yes, I'm black and I'm queer. My goal is to experience as much joy as possible. I'm not gonna lock myself in an office yes, when there's a flight to Mexico it. for $200. Don't like, do it. I write the dissertation from a coffee shop in Mexico. And my committee is like, you know, that is not, that's not what you're supposed to do while you're dissertating. I'm like, well, I want you. joy. Yeah, that's for you. <laughs> I want as much joy as possible. Um, living in Richmond, what is the dating, you know, Grindr or Tinder? Neither. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you and I know, you know, you, you know, I know what that's about. Oh yeah. Um, I don't know how much the, the girls in the room know. About. I know Grindr. What do you know about Grindr? <laughs> you know, I have friends in the world. Yes. What do you know about Grindr? <laughs> we also have a question jar. Um, we're going to just go into a kinky segment. I feel like we've gotten to know Madison a little bit now, so I want just to kind of be more participatory. So write some stuff in the jar. It could be a question, it could be some tea, it could be a current event that you want us to, to hit up. There's no um, like format for this podcast, literally because I don't have an editor yet, so I'm just figuring it out. So anything you want to like talk about, um, put it in that jar or just like, you know, start talking. But yeah, why? Um, I mean, yes, you're right. We do know the story of the apps. The apps are very problematic spaces for people that look like you and I. But how are you? How are you? You know, kicking with with new queer folks in Richmond, especially as it pertains to dating. I'm not dating anybody in Richmond. In fact, I still am. I think I'm still like struggling to, you know, meet new people. And I'm not the. I'm. I'm really interested, and in, I like, do parties and stuff. But I'm also like. I can just sit at home and drink wine and watch Netflix. I know. So I don't put myself out there all the time. Um, and I also think it's hard when you move somewhere new, to like especially as an adult, it's like meet new people. Like, what do you do? Mm-hmm. You know, there's no swing, there's no tire swing. You know, there's no like, there's no recess necessarily. 
So um, that's been really, that's been challenging. What do you, what do y'all think? Who's, who's recently moved to Richmond? You're like, two girls. <laughs> How has it been for you? Similar. Yeah, especially coming from a big city. What are the queer spaces that you like kind of fall out? Or I feel like some of the youngest parties just are underground parties. Mm-hmm. They don't feel comfortable in actual official spaces. Mm-hmm. They're just kind of wild. Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've been in Richmond since um, I went to undergrad here, and I've left for two years. So I, I feel like I have a good, like, family kind of network in Richmond, but as far as, like, social, I mean, nightlife, I, like, wouldn't, you know, be there. Because I do feel like there's a lot of underground stuff that happens and random things that pop up, but, like, something that is sustained, which maybe you're trying to do with hard femme, I feel like is, is far and few. What about some of the black folks in the room? What, what, is, what is your social tea? What's your like everyday Friday spot? Want to get a drink by yourself? Like, where do you go? I don't have a consistent Friday spot. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of times there are consistent Friday spots, but I don't have a place I want to go just because of who I am and I don't like to do the same things all the time. Mm-hmm. So, I would prefer to hop around if I can on Friday nights. So, in Richmond, Richmond is very, uh, people have events mm-hmm. and it's so fragmented so it's things happening but it's like if you're not in the know certain groups you just don't know that's what happens and if you're not open to new experiences you miss out on opportunity to meet different people mm-hmm. so a lot of times I get invited places and I'll go with the attitude of okay I can meet some new people I'll just try stuff just yeah. like alright I'm gonna go meet some new people mm-hmm. I mean, yeah I feel like that's also just kind of a, a part of, of our aesthetic that we can get like caught up into because when you first heard about like techno music I was like okay girl no damn techno music party. <laughs> and now I'm like, now I'm like, okay, I, I get into the abstraction, like you know, feeling your blackness through you know non lyrics. Especially when I think about Solange's new album, how it's not saying that much. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm into it now. But I, I do remember a day when we talked about it. And I was like, I just don't bond with techno music. But I get it. I get what you're doing. Not right? everybody has to, but yeah, mm-hmm. you know. What no, I totally get it. But if we go out with the attitude, okay, let's let's say. If you were to invite me out, I'm, I'm not a techno person. I'm more of a house music person. So when you like mentioned Frankie Knuckles, I was like, oh, if they're playing that, I'll go. But if you were to invite me out, I would go out with the attitude to stay open and just go to support because you never know what may happen. And may, I, I, but I'll be like, oh, I may not stay long because I don't know if I'm gonna do this techno all night. Yes. But you know, I might because the vibe, right? It's a vibe. It's really about the vibe and the people create the vibe. And that's what I. That's what I was trying to say about like trying to create a space for people forget all those things and so yeah it's about the vibe and just meeting people and hanging out and just being in the world together mm-hmm. for like this time oh, either, if I'm watching like this, if I see the random couple dancing that's the type of stuff that would drop yes <laughs> so it's a vibe and like when you talked about tech, that type of music being it's about being present so it sounded like the first word that came to me was mindfulness mm-hmm. it's an opportunity to just be in the moment mm-hmm. how, how often do we have that mm-hmm. techno house music what is I mean what's the difference well, house music, um, as I mentioned, is just a brief kind of thing, like legacy of like funk and disco um, and emerged in Chicago and is named after like a well, club called Warehouse. So house music. Um, and when techno emerged in Detroit, shortly after or around the same time, it was called Detroit house music at first. And then it became um, techno. Um, Juan Atkins, like did an, a compilation, it was called Detroit, the, the Detroit Techno Sound. So, 
so yeah so actually the, the boundaries are kind of like not that what's happening in berlin that you want to see happening here i remember we, we talked over coffee the other day about the whole kind of history of the wall and i know you get so mad when the clubs turn on the bright lights here <laughs> give me about give me something awful uh well like in berlin like there's not really they don't have um clubs can stay open until whenever there's not necessarily a last call so we fact, have abc so that fucks it yeah well not just here but like in the u.s in general like the u.s has typically been hostile to like nightlife um through legislation and liquor laws and um all kind of thing curfews and whatever you just don't have this um in berlin but that's also a condition to its history as like a newly unified city um when the wall came down like there you know there was like the wall and then on the east and west and there's like death strip in the middle where if you tried to escape you know they could see you and kind of like you know shoot you or whatever like this and so then all the other buildings that are like near the wall were abandoned because they didn't want you to try to jump and so when the city reunified no one knew who owned these buildings so what did people do they squatted and then threw parties and there was no sense of like you know it was like chaos and that's why like berlin has that sense so it's just a different history so you know what I mean? So what's, um, what's your what's your your goal for Richmond? You think that you want to abolish the ABC? I would love to abolish the ABC. Okay, how do we <laughs> how do we do that? I would love we, to abolish the ABC. You are at VCU. You know they uh, they abolishing everything else in Richmond. So shout out to that. Um, I'm still wrapping my head around it because uh-huh. it's like it's the the liquor is owned by the state. So. It's a state, yeah, it's a state. Yeah, it's so it's like so it's state. yeah, so it's like I don't I still don't I'm still trying to understand what that even means, um, and. You know, I like to see how people innovate here. So like, you know, like in terms of burlesque, you know, you can't like, you can't have nudity in a space that has uh, brown liquor. Mm-hmm. So people will do like reverse lesque or they'll get dressed on stage mm-hmm. to like skirt these ABC laws. So I like that creativity, you know? Yeah, we just have to find ways to get creative. Because I mean, one of the things, like I just came from Mexico City last week and I love the fact that like, I went to this place called Sodomy in, um, yes. <laughs> the guy who's in the room. Hi, Auntie Anjali. I went to this this place called. So again, like a lot of my work, and I think yours too, is around like just kind of like blending of different spaces, right? And and getting us, especially as Black folks, as queer folks, like out of these kind of like binary spaces. And sodomy is just like queer, male-centered um, bathhouse bar rooftop in Mexico City. And being there, it has four floors. First floor is like a bar. There's go-go dancers. The go-go dancers get completely nude, and people are just kind of kiki, having drinks. It's clothing optional, but it's just stays kind of you know as a bar as a kiki. And then second floor is dark rooms. People are completely nude. They're doing what they want to do up there. Third floor is like saunas and showers and, and bathtubs and hot tubs. And then the fourth floor is just like a rooftop. We're smoking cigarettes, and it's so because it there's different things happening on different levels. It curates such a diverse plethora of, of queer folks, right? So it's like diversity from a place of queerness. And so you can meet like any kind of, you know, friend there. And I, Richard doesn't have a space like that. You know what I mean? Like if you are like white and queer, you're going to, um, what is it, in Carytown? Oh, you're going babes, to babes every night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you like black, ratchet, queer, you're going to Godfrey's yeah. on Friday night. Like it's, it's all very like separated, separated. separated yeah. And one of the things I loved about like this space in um, in Mexico City is that like it just had the, it just had a, a blending of everything that was going on. And so if you want to go to a sex club, you can go to a sex club. If you want to go to have a drink with your friends, if you and I were just going to have a drink, we can stay on ground one. You know, what I mean? like it's, it's. I think we need a space like that. I think people are hungry for that in all types of cities. Um, 
I mean, I'm not, I don't know how Richmond, Richmond has so many restrictions on having a bathhouse, but like, you know, DC yeah. has food club. So there are spaces like that that are happening. It's definitely, I mean, it does a whole history to that. And like, in, um, like I was, like we were talking, I was saying like in Berlin, most clubs have dark rooms, gay or straight. So they, they or people have sex in them and it's just not a thing. Just, I mean, imagine if we had a dark do. room, you know, what's Urban Hank Sweet doing? <laughs> <laughs> and I know it feels it feels weird to talk about that, but like you know, we're both very like anti-respectability politics, and you know that you're gonna. We've all had a night where you brought someone home. Like, what if you could do it at the club? Like, I mean, I've already done that, so it's 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 it is better. You know? Yeah, just hear you run the risk of arresting people. People have done that throughout some period of their life. Mm-hmm. You know, I, imagine I know. like what would you wear if you in, in in Richmond, Virginia? What would you wear if you were going out on a Friday night and you knew that like. You could do all those things in one space. Shadow. Like, what would you pack? <laughs> right? <laughs> Come on, I, I'm Julie, I see you brewing over there. I mean, but there are spaces that do exist kind of like that here. Uh-huh. But like, there are private clubs mm-hmm. that, you know, open up at 1 and 2 in the morning. Yeah. And if you don't know, then you won't know. Yeah. But if you do know, <laughs> then you know what back alley the door is and what the secret knock is. So yeah. Richmond has those spaces because, I mean, America is puritanical, but certainly here in Virginia. And so people have been trying to figure out ways to skirt around (laughs) that whole respectability policy for a really, really long time. Yes. And so Richmond is probably one of the places that has more than the average Joe. Mm. More spaces like that, but you just don't know about it because they're super good at hiding it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, but I think that like that whole private club thing is a, you think about creative ways to get around it, like the getting dressed on stage. Those are the ways people are doing yeah. it, and that maybe a space to be created, like we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm into it. I mean, I think Fallout is the only fetish club in Virginia to that point. You know, so in the whole state. But when you go, I, I mean, the few times I've been to Fallout, I don't feel, you know, no shade to them. I don't. No, I'm just yeah. yeah I know. I'm, I'm just like, I'm just saying. This ain't sodomy. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like there are not like sodomy on last Friday had a had a had a um, a big dick contest and it's just like you're oh, just wow. you're just having drinks with <laughs> oh, your friend and there are just like huge dicks on the stage that's like amazing. and winning different drinks and like they're dipping them into things and and I'm just like yeah girl so my dissertation is about this <laughs> and there are just dicks like I I mean as a as a black queer person like that is my utopia where we're in this space that like. You know, we, we're, I'm sick of following these respectability. Like, you can't have hair extensions as a man. You can't, you can't travel as a dis- when you're dissertating. Like, break those rules. You know, and I, I feel like it's so beautiful to be. It sounds crazy and fun, but like to be in spaces where there's just shit going on, whether you want to participate or not, it really is this very liberating, free thing that makes me think a lot about my blackness. Right? Like, I just want to be in spaces where I can be authentically Chaz, authentically black, and there's like there's shit going on that you're like, I, I vibe with that, or I'm not participating in that tonight, but like, that's cool that they're doing that, you know? I love those kinds of spaces, and I feel like we need more of that. I feel like you're, you're down with creating that, so. I just want to say, as a, per, as a straight person listening to this conversation, <laughs> those spaces don't exist for us either, right? It so it's not like uh-huh. it doesn't exist for queer black people. It doesn't exist for straight black people either. So, you know, I think there's a conversation that we had about what is like, like a fluid, like a space fluid. that's simply open, and well, how much of that plays into when you, when you talk about respectability politics? Like how much of that is embedded in our black mentality of what we just don't do, yes. what we stay away from, mm. you know, and not necessarily about the, just the queer part, but like our our black men okay with like having a big big contest or. <laughs> 
But and that might speak to why you like the hood them music so much because there's a freedom there. Yes. You know, the ability to twerk, the ability to show the body. You know, when you speak about this unapologetic approach, that is like this entry point to that type of mentality and maybe that will help to kind of expand the way that we think and the sort of spaces that we build and the way that we operate within those spaces. So you're right, Spirit. Who we talk about like unapologetic blackness and just like, you know, being free and liberating, who kind of inspired all that Madison Moore is like, a, I believe there's a black woman at the core of all of us, but like, who inspired you to just be who you are, the lipstick, everything? Like, who who in your life was really just, you know, very motivational in letting you be who exactly you needed to be? It's a string of people based off of where I've been at what time. And you're from? Oh, I grew up in um, Ferguson, Missouri. Where? Ferguson. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, Mom, Mildred, who had a hair salon in her basement. And so, like, I grew up with the smell of cigarettes and, like, relaxer and, like, hair drying, you know, the seated hair dryer, kind of hot, that, all that. Yep. So her, um, she was definitely not respectability politics. Like, she would come over to, like, family barbecues with, like, leather pants, peep toast stilettos, nails done, hair, hair done. And so people were like, Mildred, where are you going? <laughs> Yeah, like no. And so, like, Mildred was definitely someone who was, like, an early template for me. Um, Prince is in there. Of course, I didn't know Prince, but, like, just visual kind of stuff. Um, and when I was living in London, I was hanging out with these, like, like black trans femmes, and that's why I learned that it was okay to wear lipstick in my 30s, you know? And so it's, like, always... Not okay, but, you know, like, I... Being with these folks gave me permission. Oh, I want to do that too. You know, and so it's like style is like a like a kind of collaborative or not collaborative, but like a kind of conversation between people. I feel like for me, I mean, I, when I in a lot of my writing, it, it's coming out that even though I, I like kind of feel like I suppress it. It is my mother. Like my mother was the main one who would say like I don't want a feminine son. I don't I don't like how you're becoming. You're not masculine. But like she had this performance of like black womanhood yeah. that just inspired me like when she would come home from work she would have the suit on and she would take the ponytail off and she would put the nightgown on and then the doorbell rang she would go put the ponytail back on like she just had this this performance of of her various you know facets of, of being black and being a black woman that just like inspired me and when we would go to church she'd wear certain things mm-hmm. and like she would coach she was the best code switcher like my mother and i um i always tell people like she was the first access to um, me dreaming of other worlds like we we were the poor family that lived in a rich white town in Connecticut but like we would we would drive past like these huge mansions that were being built and like some of them would have open houses and she would go home and put on a ponytail and a suit and we would go look at these houses <laughs> and she would say and she would make up a story and like now it's crazy that I'm writing about like other worlds and Afrofuturism and kind of thinking about futurity and like you know reimagining space because she was the one that like we would do this kind of performance and I was like her her co-conspirator and I think about just like how so much of that is about being black like seeing your body in other spaces and other worlds and, and dreaming of a mobility that maybe you know won't come but like it's fun to, to play in it you know? mm-hmm. so it really was my mom in my eyes that I'm learning now so. um, what has what have you put in the jar so far I want to open it up a little bit and then we have a we're going to do some Caucasity stories <laughs> Caucasity. I do this segment with every guest that I've had so far. I'm talking like this is a whole show. I've had like two guests. 
<laughs> but with every guest, we have two segments. We do Caucasity, and then we do a, a, a Black Feature segment. So those are the two coming up next. But has anyone put anything in the jar? Anything you want to add? There's a few things. Yeah. Besides the blank pieces of paper I put in there. Oh. <laughs> What's in there? Tell us. I feel like a lot of you came to see us kind of like make that re recreate the images from the flyer. <laughs> Did anybody write anything? Yeah. That's good okay. One. Thank y'all for showing up. Anyway. Oh, the person who didn't want to ask a question. Who didn't want to ask? That was me. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I didn't have to ask you Don't say it. You didn't have to say it was you. <laughs> and we have... Oh, we're good. I'm going to change um, So this says, as a professor, do you feel the pressure to dress, in scare quotes, a particular way that is more acceptable in the college, ac college academic setting? No. <laughs> like, do you show up to class like this? Yes. Okay. Last week. <laughs> Um, actually, I um. Will you teach me? Because I missed that part. Uh, so I'm in gender studies, okay. queer studies, uh, and the class is um, queer nightlife and a class on divas. Okay. So. So you need to show up as yourself. Well, actually, if you're teaching math, you would show up like that. Though I wouldn't be teaching math. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like when I had my, this is this is this is math. This is how I am. Okay. And so when I had my like job talk to come here last year uh, in January, I was like, oh, I want I want to get this job, um, but I don't want to wear a suit. I don't wear suits. I would wear a sequin suit, you know, like a like a full like no shirt, you know, a little glitter on the chest. Um, but I, you know, so I was like, I don't have the money and I don't want to spend any money on something that I'm gonna wear once and never whatever. So I was like, you know what? Let me just and I I bought like a black leather skirt, and I think I think I bought this top also. Um, and it's whatever. And so I was like, I want to dress like I'm gonna like, I could transition from the job talk to the club, and that's what I did. So, what do you think that does for the students in your class? Like, I don't want to get all mushy about you inspire them, but like, we I think so much of our conversation today has been about you know disrespectability politics, and so have students come up to you and be like, yes, girl, fabulous, or do you do you feel that it shifts, you know, the the aesthetics of the class? What do you think it does? Well. So all semester um, in my in my Beyonce class, I've been kind of coming, you know, I have different whatever, but that was the first time last week that I wore the lips and the glasses to class and I forgot, you know, and then my students were like, okay, look, okay, look. And I was like, yes, mm -hmm, take it in, you know. But I think that, I don't know, like, I wouldn't say that I inspired them, they inspire me um, because I've been thinking a lot about like style as pedagogy, so like, to this question, like style as a way to invite or like create a queer space in the classroom. Um, and so I remember my first days of class, I was like kind of gagging because they came ready with their nails and their hair and their shoes and everything. I was like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a wrap on that, you know. Yeah, I, I think it's dope. I think it just shows that like you don't have to look a certain way to be scholarly and all that bullshit. You know, and that's a bunch of rules that like you know, some white person in some office created that like it wasn't designed for us to follow because like you as Madison Moore and me as Chaz Barracks, like we're already disruption to these spaces and so you might as well disrupt being like exactly who you are. But this is really like, I mean, of course, this is like super conditioned or whatever. So like in my, um, I, wrote, I wrote a book last year called um, Fabulous, The Rise of the Beautiful Eccentric. 
And in the book, there's a story from um, an untenured black female faculty member that I, an interview that I did with her. She was telling me about all the struggles she goes through as like a black female untenured faculty person in her department. So when she shows up and she's like dressed as herself and she's wearing all these clothes, whatever, that folks don't take her seriously, that they say that she, uh, you know, they know where she's spending her money or whatever. And it's like, um, time and again, you hear stories about like how if you're dressed in a certain way, if you care about fashion and style, then somehow you're not serious or you're not smart or you don't, there's no there there. Um, so, so yeah. transparency because I think it's a it's a conversation that we are we recording yes we are it's a conversation that I feel like we have all the time but the the performance of kind of like or just the, the everydayness of, of being you right or or me in some ways putting lipstick on in the back of the bus right in this this space that we know could be harmful how do you have conversations with with students about that students who are maybe not ready to express themselves as as freely or as openly as you feel that you can and even we, you wrestle with it, having to move to the back of the bus to do it. Um, are you completely transparent with them? Because I feel like I'm wrestling with this as well, just like knowing that it's not completely safe, um, but you want to encourage people that are younger than you and that are coming up behind you to be and do what they want, but also you want to help keep them safe. So how do you kind of approach that conversation? Um, tomorrow actually is the week uh, the day of the week where we will talk about this mm -hmm. uh, in the queer nightlife class about like, fashion and nightlife mm -hmm. um, but when I've done other like talks especially around the book and stuff I'm always clear that like it's a constant negotiation so you don't just like wake up like this and stay that way all Beyonce said you do but that Beyonce how also has economic Photoshop <laughs> yeah Photoshop, Photoshop power and yeah whatever a black car and all that so <laughs> um but that, yeah, that you don't, you don't, that, that, that fabulousness or like style or whatever is really, it is about that constant. Maybe today you don't have the mental energy. Mm -hmm. So you just, you just roll up how you can. Or maybe today you don't feel safe to do it. This is also the part. Yes. And so it's a constant like. I mean, we were in Mexico City last week and even though I told this great story about being inside of me, like this homeless guy spit on us in, in Mexico City. And I was like flabbergasted. It, it just, my, so my friend who I went with is also like uses they them pronouns. It's very queer, very like, you know, embracing of their femininity and like, you know, wears heels, etc. And like, we were having a blast. Like that's the thing is like, it's always like on a black joy night, right? Like we were coming back from a bar, we were great. And like, that has never happened to me before. And it, that's why that, that question brought me you, you made me ask this question because I felt like I was so surprised and my friend was just like let's keep going and I was just like I want to go home you know? I need to process this and my friend was like my friend was like girl we're on vacation you know what I mean like we're not gonna let and, and then my and, and when we got to the bar we kind of like debriefed and talked about it a little bit but it was like it was very traumatizing and I feel like I thought about it more than Polo did for most of the trip, um, but it just it just it just happened. Like we were we were kind of like walking like this and just like about to go. In. We were in the gate district, and this homeless guy like just basically just like drank a sip of water and then just like spit on us and like it hit my shirt and I just I, I don't I don't even know like in in a, in a second it just like happened and then I felt like it was an awkward moment between two friends where I I wanted to talk about it and I feel like Polo was like 
I want to have a good night, so I don't want to talk about it. And I didn't know kind of like how to navigate it, but like that has never ever happened to me before. Um, and I'm not a person that like wants to fight somebody or anything like that. So I really was trying to like pull it out of me to just like go and have this good night as my friend was doing. But like it made me think about, you know, all the stuff that you were saying of like, you know, every day is different and you can be on vacation and those things can happen to you. And so how do I kind of, you know, as, as a mentor, as a, what I hope I'm seeing as, how do you like, you know, share those narratives with, with folks, but also like keep it um, centered on joy and the fact that like we had a dope ass night and a great vacation, but like you have to also be weary about the fact that like, you know, because you're wearing a certain shoes or because my hair is a certain way or whatever, um, those things can happen, you know? So, oh, I hate to go dark, but you know, that's it's real. It's like, black matter. <laughs> yeah, like it's fucking real. Anyone on the, do we have any tea that people want to offer up? Um, I do want to share Caucasity stories. Um, so we do this this thing every segment. The audience can participate as well. But I I found that like a lot of people that I've interviewed on the show have had like very funny um, like she had the caucasity too kind of stories. And so I like to ask guests if they just have a story of you know when somebody tried you. It doesn't have to be a Becky. It could be just how you maneuver through a situation um, that has to do with caucasity. And you're a VC professor, so I know that you have some caucasities or how you want to share them I don't know but I'm trying to think about it. I mean I guess my the homeless guy was white so it still is white so that was my caucasity sorry <laughs> fuck him but you know yeah um, no I can't so you're like they're, they're just there every day all the time like, <laughs> isolate one you can't isolate one I will tell, can I tell the one that I, I feel like I thought you were going to mention? So, oh. the, the day that you came over, remember? Yeah. The first day? Oh, right. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Tell that story. I can't, no, 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 you, you, you tell. Okay, so, um, the first day that she moved into, um, so she stayed, Madison stayed with me for like the first two months to they found an apartment. And um, when you came to Richmond, I was like super excited. Like we were going out that night um, with someone, we were going to dinner or whatever. And I like probably didn't have, I don't even think I was dressed. Probably had a bonnet on like or do-rag or something. Anyways, Madison texts me and is like, I'm outside, like I'm about to get dropped off. I'm thinking that they're in a, that you're in an Uber. I'm thinking you're in an Uber. And I, <laughs> and I open my door and it's Madison and uh, your chair, your department chair, who is a very nice white woman that is at my front door. And I'm just like, I open the door like, hey bitch. <laughs> you in a while and so again I'm a doctoral student you're a professor so like there are ways to perform right and Frankie knows what I'm talking about so and she she's kind of like you know seeing like she's about to get I think she's like itching to be invited in for tea and I'm just I open the door all ready to greet you and you're just like I read the text as I opened the door I was like I'm with and I'm like <laughs> that felt like it was like a kind of a, a Caucasian situation because I just was not prepared for <laughs> was not prepared for that. Um, that's the story I thought you were going to tell. But yeah, we all have um, those those interesting narratives, but that shit was so funny. I don't know. I, this is, I don't know if this is like caucasity, but like, so my, uh, my apartment building has like a happy hour thing and uh, I've been with some friends and we get to the building for like the happy hour thing and it's like super white, like old white, just, you know, 
they're drinking wine, whatever. And there's one. You live in a bougie building. There's one black girl in there, and she's like so excited when we come in, I guess. And it's very like code switching, code switching. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly, basically, what happens is I, we get into the room. I'm with um, two other black folks, and we kind of like get into a corner. <laughs> and we're just like we just start cackling and kicking and it's just like like you know emoting and just like la la la. It's like her, you know, like we just kind of like we're in this space. Mm. Sorry, mm, it's kind of a classic story. Have you have you made friends with folks in the building? No. With her, with, with, your building does seem with her, super. With, uh, with Alexa, I like her. I like her. Now. Yeah, your building does seem very Caucasian. I mean, it's very like it's nice. It's very Churchill like. It just doesn't seem like a lot of us live in there, or if there's parties going on in there. Anyway. They're definitely not parties. Yeah, that's right. That's a that's a vibe that I got. It's Except like last week. Oh my god! We're having a happy Wait, hour. Wait, I have a podcasting story. So like last week was the um, was the, the Irish potluck, the like, Irish festival. Or whatever. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look at all. <laughs> Why did all of this side of the room was like? Mm. Yes. <laughs> Exactly, and so my living room, I didn't know, I didn't know what was going on, so I woke up, you know, my living room window was like at the stage where oh they were like, and I was like, oh my god. <laughs> so that is my Caucasian story. There's always a festival. Always right the Irish festival is just seems, did anybody in here go to that? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you feel ashamed. <laughs> Yeah, the I I don't I don't go to that. How is it? In I didn't go. I, just, oh. I was like it was. I left. So that I didn't didn't get um, we are almost, we're almost at the, at the end of our time. Um, I do like to ask. Um, I feel like this is kind of circling back to earlier, but every guest that I have, I love to ask this question around kind of like, what are your black boy joy dreams? And the reason why I like to ask, uh, particularly black men and just black folks in general, this question is because I think everyone that I've interviewed on the show, um, shout out to Felix, to Polo, to Wes, um, all the folks I've interviewed on the show, I think are black people that are just doing really, you know, border pushing things, like just great work that is centering kind of like their creative identity. And I think it's important that when we talk about our work, we think about how are we putting things into the world that is going to manifest even when we're not here, right? And so what are your kind of like black boy Madison dreams a hundred, a thousand years from now, but how do you think what you're putting into the world now will kind of manifest um, in ways um, that will change the world even when you're not here? Hopefully, take us there. Are you, are hopefully you like, um, uh, white DJs won't be playing techno and house music anymore. <laughs> be like people of color taking it back. I don't know. So you want like our you're you're, you're envisioning a world where like black spaces are like only black spaces are only t- yeah just black spaces. That's that's totally fine. Good. Um, yeah, I I think if that if that world were here, then like a lot of the work that I'm doing wouldn't need to be done, right? Especially if you think about like nonprofits that are very black centered, like the goal should be like we're working our, ourselves out of a, but just thinking about um, your dreams in ways that like will manifest when you're not here. Mm-hmm. Other than that, does the audience have anything? No? How is this? It was good. It was good. It's great. Um, yeah, so this is Black Matter Podcast, shameless, shameless plug. Um, I'm doing this as part of my kind of like ongoing methodology as, as part of my. Um, my project, and I'm using this to kind of curate conversations for the next um, film that I'm going to be doing, which probably will be, will be called Black Matter, and I want to center um, queer black men um, that are really pushing the border. And I, when I think about queerness, I'm, you know, take sexuality out of it for, for part of it, and really just think about 
black men in ways that um, are pushing borders, that are reimagining space, that are reclaiming what it means to be a black man and kind of disidentifying from the identity that has been like sold to us and sewing their own, right? And so folks that you know of that you feel like should be on this, definitely like um, send me a message. Um, and yeah, I want to keep interviewing people. I love having these conversations with you. Um, I'm sure this is not the, the last one. Um, I will add another plug. So on April 20... Oh, 27th, yeah. April 27th, we're doing a Black Queer, Black Matter, Hard Femme um, takeover of 1708 Gallery. Um, we don't really know what we're doing, but that's like the power of blackness, right? It's a day party. Yeah, it's a day party. Come. What is going to happen at the day party? We haven't talked about. <laughs> Huh? RV Fashion Week. Yeah, so we're going to do probably some live recordings. Um, I would like to invite some really dope folks there, like uh, Chelsea, starring Chelsea's podcast. I want to have her there. Um, yeah, it'll just be a day party. Madison's going to DJ. I know that much, right? Probably. A little bit. Um, hopefully, some others as well. Yeah, so 1708, April 27th. Uh, so far, it's at 12 to 5. That's our next thing. And we'll probably have some tea like this. We'll do a little sit down again. Um, do you have anything that you want to plug? I feel like you should on the, the platform that I don't even know how many people. Uh, the next hard fam is on Mother's Day, the 12th of May. Yes, Mother's Day. Okay. May 12th, what time? Is that follow up? Uh, yeah. Uh, time to be TB, TBC. Okay. Cool. How does one follow Hard Fam and find out information? Because I, I don't really don't know anything about it. So, we just started, so that was like a kind of intentional, um, or, or it was, yeah, basically like not using social media or trying to like create a space that kind of like doesn't exist, but I created a, um, a closed group on Facebook now, it's called Hard Fem, so you can find it that way. Hard.fem. And we're going to do a little mixer after this so y'all can like kick it up and figure it out. Um, I feel like, you know, there are many folks in the room you can collaborate with for the next party. Um, anything else? What else is going on in the world of Madison? Um, I've been on this book tour, so I'm going to I'm like going to Indiana um, this week and Chicago. Um, Pride season's coming, so the DJ bookings are coming. So it's gonna be a cute summer. And yeah. All right. Thank you guys for coming.